The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, June 8th. Let's cock a doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed, Fitness Statistician. And as always, I have the honor of being joined by FSWA Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle. Hey, Scotty, it is a Friday. It's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. How are you feeling, Scott? Feeling pretty good. Uh, getting ready for some Subway Series action tonight at uh, City Field. Yeah, absolutely. The Subway Series is upon us. And 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 listen, Scott. You know, we always kind of make jokes about me being a Yankees homer and you being a Mets homer and things like that. We talk about the Mets and the Yankees a lot, but these are teams. You know, Scott, going in two different directions. I mean, since the Mets' hot start at eleven and one, it seems like the wheels have fallen off. You know, they've had some injuries. That offense cannot seem to score runs, despite the fact that they're getting you know great starting pitching. The Yankees, meanwhile, seem to be very hot, moving right along, an offensive kind of juggernaut. But here in the city. Scott, there's a lot of reports, you know, kind of the cover of the Daily News and stuff like that, that, you know, if the Mets, you know, are not, you know, they really fall out of it. We talk about these kind of teams at the trade deadline. There's reports out here that the Mets may consider flipping people, even like Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, to try to restock their farm system. Scott, I got to tell you the truth. To me, that would be counterproductive. Anybody you're trying to get, you know, as a prospect – you could only hope and wish that they would realize the potential of someone like DeGrom or Syndergaard. Do you, what do you think about these guys potentially being on the market? I wonder whether these kind of stories are more of a media creation or suggestion right. than what's actually going to happen. Uh, mm. I could be wrong on that. And look, this is a national show, but uh, this, is still, this is still a big story regardless. And Joel Sherman wrote a very good column in the New York Post this morning about it, is about how the Yankees, uh, you know, had to had to flip Chapman, et cetera, right. two years ago to get prospects. And if the Mets are going to look to the future, they have to demand something high. So if there was to be a Subway Series trade, that the Yankees would have to pay dearly for. You know, you're not going to get, like, like people are not going to call WFAN and say, okay, give them Greg Bird and, right. and uh, you know, Brett Gardner. Justice and, Sheffield. Uh, and Justice Sheffield, you right. know, for Syndergaard and DeGrom. You know, it's sure. going to have to start with Glaber Torres and Andahar and maybe both. Because, you know, right, you're talking right. about, you talk about Jake DeGrom. Jacob, Jacob DeGrom might be the very best pitcher in the National League right now. And at some point, mm-hmm. Syndergaard figures 
maybe yeah. to you know to challenge him for that. So you're talking about two frontline starters, and if the Mets aren't going to tend, contend now, and they have some older pieces, like Sherman says, uh, you know, why not restock the system? But you know, this this kind of scares people in National League only fantasy leagues because yeah, if you have the Grammer Syndergaard <laughs> and you lose the player to the other, if he if he gets traded out of the universe. This right. is something that you definitely don't want to see. No, absolutely. I remember, uh, Scott, remember we were talking about, like, Max Scherzer and his dominance earlier in the in the week, and I was saying, listen, you know, he's really competing against Jacob deGrom, in my opinion, for a kind of NL Cy Young and all-star start and that sort of thing. Um, you know, when you say – Anybody who listens to this show knows how much I love the Yankees, knows how much I love Glaber Torres and my guy Miguel and Duhar. But if you tell me I would have to give those guys up, it would give me cause for pause. I was hoping that, listen, not for both of them, but for one of them, you know, the idea of maybe and Duhar plus Clint Frazier plus a, a, a – I told you, I'm happy to move Dylan Batantis, you know, right now, along with maybe one of their other kind of starter prospects, a kid like Chance Adams or something like that. I don't see um, why, the, why the Mets would want any of those third players. No? You no. don't think they would want uh, a Clint Frazier? You don't think they would no, want No, you mentioned him as a second player. Oh, okay. So I'm talking yeah. about Andujar, Frazier, and then, you know— I would give. I would give. You don't think there's a market for Dylan Batantis anymore, Scott? I don't think they want Batantis. Batantis has really fallen off. We talk about uh, how shoddy not, Familia's not, been not, lately. Not, not not dependable. It's it's not about comparing him to Familia. They already have a guy like that in Familia. It's not about comparing him to Familia. Why would they be interested? And I I don't I don't see why. Yeah, because he's still a young power arm, and we've said it before, Scott. Everyone always thinks that like they can fix someone if they are struggling. Listen, yeah, but when I, you're giving up, when you're giving up a frontline starter, you're not looking to get a fixable guy. Sure, I'm talking about yeah. him as a third or fourth piece, along with a potential I don't, AL I don't rookie think they of would the year want, and a high-priced blue chip prospect. I don't, I don't think that they would want him as as a, as a third piece. All right, fair. You know that's that's absolutely. I, I would say I would say like a like an Andahar or a Torres, right? They, they would uh, probably lead Clint Frazier, Torres, a right. Clint Frazier, and another maybe like high prospect, say like a Double A or something like that, like a Chance Adams, like a Justice Sheffield, possibly. Those are those are legit prospects. You know what I mean, yeah. Scott? I mean the, that's why the, I said the, possibly. Yeah. Okay. I mean the Yankees do have um, a deep farm system, so it is interesting. But to your other point, let's take I don't, this I away don't, from. I don't. I don't think it would. Be, uh, Torres is playing short for them, so you know, the Mets already have Rosario. Rosario. You know, ticketed at short, so sure. that that could play that could play into it as well. But it's mm-hmm. you know the 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 market out there for starting pitching is kind of. Uh, Kind of thin, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Cole Hamels who got battered last night. He's mm-hmm. one of the top. He's one of the top guys out there. Danny right. Duffy's one of the prime guys out there. Right. So we talked know. about guys like J. A. Happ, Tyson Ross potentially. It's not you know, but then you add someone like a Degrom or a Syndergaard into the mix. Now you're cooking with gas. I've always said I don't need any of these guys because I thought Sonny Gray could be one of these guys. But if you give me someone who I can put ahead of Masahiro Tanaka and start Game Two of a playoff series. Now we're talking, Scott. Well, look, let's say if it was in, in a, a fantasy world, not a fantasy yeah. baseball world, if it was to happen, yeah. you know, DeGrom is the better pitcher right now, but I think I think Syndergaard would actually, like, you know, he's that kind of guy that, 
you know, enjoys oh, yeah. the spotlight more a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, would, would would probably like fit from an intangible perspective a mm. little bit better in the, in the Bronx. Degrom is very businesslike, right. goes about his business, but I think Yankee fans would probably embrace a Syndergaard more if it, w- it was to happen. And you know, that kind of dovetails into like you got to look at where you are right now mm-hmm. in a fantasy baseball league, and should you be making a blockbuster deal right. to ensure? To ensure, you know, what, what you want to do. Now, right now, at the beginning of June, I really don't t- t- uh, really don't start looking at the standings r- regularly until late May. And by June, I think you start getting a good barometer of where you are. In the Greenwich Street Tavern League, I've fallen to six points out of first place. Now, I could easily make that up in one week. I've made up 23.5 points in one week. But I'm starting to think that I need to make a trade or that I haven't Looked at my, I've looked at my roster all year long, and I say I don't want to screw with it. But right now, my closers are Bud Norris and Ken Giles, and Giles is just not getting enough saves for me. I feel like I want to make a trade for another closer. Right mm-hmm. now, there are certain guys that are starting to cool off for me. Uh, you know, Michael Conforto's not helping me right now. You know, can I can I sell low on him maybe? And is somebody interested maybe to buy low on him? So I'm starting to think about trades. If I start getting a nine, ten points out, I'm probably going to make a deal. Okay, uh, fair enough. You talk about this idea of uh, you know who's a better fit for one team or another, and you also talked about Noah Syndergaard kind of being more out there uh, with that personality, more out there in front, and that brings us, Scott, to today's poll question. We had our first upset in our face of baseball bracket where Justin Verlander took out Shoni Otani in the always interesting 5-12 matchup. Today, you know, it's interesting. We have a matchup of a Subway Series with the Subway Series starting. The two seed, Aaron Judge, all rise against the number 15 seed for now, still with the Mets, Noah Syndergaard. If you want to make your voice heard here on the show, go Thor. ahead and vote. Yeah, for Thor if you want, okay, at Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Roto X, at Roto Experts. Let us know who you think is more of the face of baseball in that one. Scott, let me ask you something because I don't want this to sound just like a New York thing, right? Let's talk about this. Let's say you do own, however, DeGrom or Syndergaard. And like you said, this could be scary, right? Let's say you're in an NL only league and you lose them out of the player universe. Would you ever try to get ahead of the game and offer to move one of those guys for something like 85, 90 cents on the dollar? Would you ever like, for example, I'm trying to figure, um, would you go ahead and offer you know, a guy like DeGrom, you know, and try and get back, oh, I don't know, like a, a Patrick Corbin, for example. You know, that someone who is still doing really well, but that you have more faith will stay kind of in the National League. Would you offer a DeGrom for a Miles Mikolas, who had another great game lowering his ERA to 227, you know, or, or, or someone, something like that, you know, like a Michael Walker, someone who's pitching well, but that you have faith stays in the National League, a Fulton Nevich, something like that. I, take it pitcher by pitcher. You know, Michaelis is the one that intrigues me. Corbin, you know, there's been some velocity issues, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't do it. But I, I would entertain offers like that. Uh, you know, I, I would probably say if I could get Sean Newcomb for, De, for DeGrom, I'd strongly consider it because I really believe in Sean Newcomb, even though there's going to be a little bit of regression there. I want a guy that's – because I ultimately don't think that – 
either the Grom or Syndergaard are going to get traded. So I can't, I can't dip too far down to a Patrick Corbin. Okay, you know, fair enough, no, and I hear you on a case-by-case basis, but I guess I'm talking, generally speaking, the idea of entertaining that if you fear that you may lose the player in the player universe, but ultimately it sounds like, Scott, you don't necessarily think that's going to happen. Scott, I wanted to ask you about the St. Louis Cardinals. They get a W. We talk about Miles Mikolas. Listen, seven shutout innings. He strikes out five, lowers his ERA to 2.27. You mentioned you had Bud Norris before. He gets his 12th save of the season for St. Louis, but listen, this kid, Nicholas, is an incredibly happy, pleasant surprise for people who drafted him, right, Scott? Yeah, Miles Michaelis, uh, Miles Michaelis, uh, excuse me, actually, actually went over to Japan, and I don't know what he found there, but, you know, when we were talking to Rusty <laughs> Ryle, though, of he, youth. <laughs> actually, when we were talking to Rusty Ryle, though, it's, uh, you know, who played over in Japan, the former Diamondback, when we had him on the show two weeks ago. He says, you, you know, you got to use a different pitch mix over there in Japan. And right now he's only striking out 6.58 per nine. But uh, when you look at his ex-FIP, it's 341 and the strand rate is 79.3. So there's a lot of belief that he's still going to be solid. So, yeah, if I'm tra- trading to DeGrom, uh, you know, this is somebody I'm looking at. But you look at the look at his at his pitch mix in 2014. He was heavy fastball slider. And now he's uh, he's he's throwing the fastball 14% less of the time, the slider 8% more of the time, the curveball 9% more of the time, and the changeup a little bit less. So he changed his pitch mix when he went over to Japan, and it, hitters really uh, haven't been able to get a handle on it. No, absolutely. You know, you did mention that how they have to kind of pitch differently over there, and he's kind of applying his trade a little bit different. You know, he's not the first player, Scott, that has kind of gone over there and either humbled themselves or adjusted their game. I remember last year, at the start of last year, wasn't it um, maybe Marcus Timms or Thames or whatever who was going you know, who was hitting home runs left and right for Milwaukee early in the season. And he also talked about kind of some of his takeaways. Oh, Eric Thames, yeah. oh, Excuse me, Eric Thames, yeah. That, yeah. Um, you know, had some takeaways from his time playing out there in, um, in the Far East as well. So that's pretty interesting. You know, Scott, you know, we talked, this is the time. We're going to hear a lot of trade rumors, you know. This, I, this buzz about DeGrom and Syndergaard possibly being out there. We already talked about, um, you know, John Jay moving from Kansas City to Arizona earlier this week. Another Another team that we have to assume is going to be making moves is the Miami Marlins, right? We all know that there's a fire sale Always. going on over there, right? One the fire guy, sale is done. <laughs> I don't know. Done. I think I think the fire sale is kind of like in progress, Scott, you know, because No, they got rid of all their, big, their biggest names already. There's so only... that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I think JT Realmuto, though, still has a – can still oh, be yeah. a piece that can help a contending team. So that's why I would say, Scott, that I don't think it's necessarily done. I think JT Realmuto will certainly be moved, and I think he can definitely help a contender. What are we thinking about this trade market? First of all, let me ask you something. Do you agree, like, he is a piece that – that has value and will be moved in the next, uh, what are we talking about, six or seven weeks at this point? And if so, what are the kinds of teams that could, uh, contenders that could use a catcher? I'm hearing the Houston Astros checked in on JT Realmuto recently. Yeah, I think the Nationals uh, mm. certainly can can use a guy like that. Uh, I don't think the Do you Dodgers, agree that, that because, he will get know, moved, that like the fire sale is 
continuing to I go believe, on? I believe. He's the last piece left in the fire sale. The fire <laughs> sale is pretty much over. He's almost he over. Last, last remaining piece. <laughs> Close, yeah. Right, right. Last call I don't know if I would call Brad, Brad Ziegler and Justin, Justin Bohr fire sale pieces. When right. you talk about a fire sale, look at the guys they got rid of. You know, yeah. Stanton, Asuna, Yelich, you know, sure. guys like that. Uh, you know, Real Muto is the only significant name remaining on that roster, really, at all. Uh, you know, as much as I respect Boris, a power hitter, just not in the, the league with those other guys. But, sure. But, you know, Real Muto is a big piece. Uh, one of the better catchers in the National League. This is another guy that, fantasy-wise, you're worrying about does he get traded leads. out of your NL-only NL player universe. Uh, I think I think maybe maybe even the Red Sox are a team hmm. that can look at Real Muto, too, because I think it would definitely improve yeah. uh, certainly certainly on what they have right now. I know the Indians have a prospect in their system, uh, but uh, to get Real Muto and maybe you know trade that prospect away, you know maybe that maybe that's something they could do. So I think I think Cleveland is another team that you look at. I don't think the Cubs are necessarily a team that right. would maybe 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 even the Milwaukee Brewers. That's interesting as well. Let me ask yeah. you this though, Scott. Um, I would say unlike any other position, though, right? A catcher. Moving teams mid-season, is there anything to, like, having to learn a whole new pitching staff? You know, like, offensively, that's one thing. We talk about switching leagues and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. But to be a catcher and to then mid-season have to learn – let's say Real Muto goes to the Indians. You know, I'm just, you know, case in point, right? To have to learn Kluber, Carrasco, Clevenger, Bauer, stuff like that, couldn't that create kind of a challenge in terms of, like, upsetting the – the, the flow, the karma of a pitching staff on a contending team. Do you buy that? Isn't it hard to, like, learn a new pitching staff and their tendencies? Yeah, but, you know, that's – I don't think players think like we do necessarily. Right. And, uh, you know, he's he's just going to have to learn it on the job quickly. This is sure. a professional. You, you get paid a lot of money for things like that. And Corey Kluber is going to – Gonna get get it done, you know. No matter who's back there, you know. I don't. Sure. I, I don't care if Chris Pavone is back there. Corey Kluber's <laughs> pitch pitching a good game. You know, those are good pitchers. Period. Now, look. Sometimes pitchers are more comfortable. I think it's not so much a scouting report. Maybe sometimes the personality. Sometimes pitchers clash with uh, with catchers. You know, I heard that about Mikel Montero in the past. You know mm-hmm. that, that that some pitchers just didn't like him, etc. But. Uh, Look, you, what you get with the bat and what you get overall with Real Muto is worth it. It's not going to be a perfect situation, mm-hmm. but you know that that guy will probably be locked in by August, knowing his pitching staff. So sure. I think I think it's maybe creating you know uh, too much of a mushroom cloud out of nothing. All right, fair enough. And we know yeah. our guy Chris Bavona, the manimal, absolutely gets done. He calls a great game. Scott, I'm talking like hard up and in and soft down and away. Boy, does he know how to call a game, Chris Bavona. He'll also take good care of you if you want to call the show and join in on the fun here on Roto Experts in the morning. The number to call is 844-843-6879. I hear you, Scott. I was just thinking about balancing the potential impact offensively with the potential risk of um, the pitching staff i say potential on both sides things to consider hey scott there'll be yes. a transition period but it's not right. like you know in august you know uh that makes that, sense you know, t- the team's not going to fall apart because of it right 
Fair enough. That makes sense. And you mentioned you got a couple of months before a contending team, you know, really has their high stakes, you know, potential chase for seeding and the playoffs and things of that nature. So that makes sense. Scott, yesterday we talked about, uh, you know, my guy, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., how he left the game with a leg injury. You said you didn't know how, how um, major it was. Well, they did, in fact, put Vlad Guerrero Jr. on the DL in the minor leagues. Also, we talk about another stud. Um, Carlos Correa, you know, had an MRI on his side as well. He's saying there's no damage. It looks like he was out of the lineup. He's day-to-day. Pisses me off because I have shares of Correa left and right on my squad. But um, what other kind of bumps and bruises happened, Scott, um, you know, either last night or people expecting to return. I'm hearing a lot about Zach Britton potentially coming back very, very soon. Um, besides Correa, Vlad, what else? Uh, who else got nicked up in your uh, that you saw yesterday? Yeah, Mookie Betts is not going to be back this weekend. Jonas Cespedes was not going to be back this weekend. Uh, mm. Both of them could be back by early next week. And uh, J.D. Martinez left last night's game with back tightness. That is something definitely can keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. If this team doesn't have Betts or J.D. Martinez for a stretch, you know, it could impact it's them. It's not going to be for an extended period. Sure. The Guerrero, Guerrero thing, he's expected to come off the DL when he's first eligible. When he's eligible. Okay. So we definitely yeah. want to keep our eye on some of these things. Scott, anything really um, kind of uh, make you stand up and take notice out of the games yesterday? You know, I mentioned already Mikolas and, and, and St. Louis. That's really what kind of I saw big yesterday. You know, what about things like Eddie Rosario having a great game, his 14th homer of the season? Rizzo also went yard. Anybody, any performances stand out to you offensively uh, yesterday from around the majors? Well, it's nothing new from Rosario at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's having a career year right now. Uh, Leonis Martin with a home home run and a triple last night. Uh, this guy was a really nice pick for for uh, late for steals, but actually he's been hitting for some pop. Jock Peterson with a pair of home runs last night. Uh, you're not going to get much average, but as long as he continues to play regularly, there will be power for him. Cody Bellinger's helmet for the third straight day. Looks like he's not going to the minors uh, whatsoever. Doesn't look like that that is going to happen uh at all, even though that was a recent rumor. Also, uh, you know, uh, Justin Bohr last night with three for four with an RBI. You know, we talk the royal treatment. We, we talk. We, we talk something about about the Marlins, and you know, Bohr is a guy that could be on the move too. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you know, Brad Ziegler, I think the trade market has kind of calmed down for him. So you know, Bohr's maybe another name to keep in mind that could possibly be traded out of your player universe. Uh, Scott Shebler for three for six last night. This is a guy who's on the cover of Roto Experts right now, and I know he's available in a lot of leagues. Denard Span went yard again last night. If you want to, if you want to get a nice plug-in for you, for your outfield, Denard Span is quietly having a very very good year. Heimer Candelario came back last night and uh, and played well. Uh, that guy has uh, certainly uh, been uh, been a nice revelation. Went like the reserve rounds in, in a lot of drafts. Uh, from from a pitching perspective, Jose Berrios, Berrios. Uh, another strong start, nine uh, complete game, two two uh, two earned runs and ten strikeouts. He's starting to get into a groove. Paul Blackburn last night comes back six innings pitch and uh, only only two earned runs. This guy is uh, probably somebody you should look 
uh, look at picking up. David Hess uh, with another good start for the Orioles, but he got to be careful streaming against the Red Sox next week. Mm-hmm. Matthew Boyd held the Red Sox to two runs. That was very impressive. Boyd has been a little bit up and down in the peripherals points, some regression. But overall, Boyd has pitched pretty darn well, I think. I think uh, Nick Pavetta with five innings pitch, four earned runs, he's starting to slow up a little bit. All right, there you go. That's uh, the King, Scotty Angles, tour around Major League Baseball. Um, in a couple minutes, we're going to take our first break here on Roto Experts in the morning. When we come back, listen, Scott has had time with the Baltimore Orioles all week. We've been playing some interviews that Scott did when the Orioles were in town. I mean, we talked to Manny Machado. We talked to Brad Brock. We will catch up and spend a couple minutes with Trey Mancini. Uh, Scott Angle interviewed Trey Mancini. We'll hear a little bit of that. We'll get you ready for DFS on a Friday. And we'll also highlight a couple of people you may want to try to pick up on the waiver wire. Scott mentioned, you know, Denard Spann having a kind of career year. We have some other takes for you as well. We'll do that after the break. Scott, real quick, though, I wanted to get your take on something that uh, I asked Jake about the NBA Finals. Um, I want to think... Because you know this, only, the Super Bowl MVP, I think, only once has been on a losing team. Is that correct, right? I think a Cowboy yeah. had it in the, mm-hmm. in the 70s or something like that. You know, yeah. in, in game, games one and two, it was like all Steph Curry. Game three, Kevin Durant goes crazy. Maybe they cut, you know, split the vote a little bit. Can you right. see LeBron James being the finals MVP even if Golden State dominates? I mean, what LeBron is doing is absolutely ridiculous. What do you think about that, Scott? Is it possible for LeBron? I thought he could. And Jake said, no, no way. It'll never happen. They'll, give it to a, they'll find a way to give it to a warrior. You think it's possible LeBron could win MVP of this final series? I don't think so, especially if not if they get swept out or lose in five games because your most valuable player is the team that you can't win without. You know, you right. take and LeBron you can get off swept without him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you take LeBron off the Cavs, they can still get swept out or lose in five games. Maybe he's the playoff MVP because they don't get to the finals without him, and he's done a tremendous job getting him there. But to me, the MVP always has to be on a winning team. Yeah, no, I hear that. That makes sense. But, you know, we talked about this when Alex Rodriguez wins an MVP for the Texas Rangers who win, like, you know, 65 or 70 games. I didn't agree it's with It's always it. an interesting question. When we come back, we get into DFS baseball, little Trey Mancini, and we look at some waiver guys that may help your fantasy team. We're off and running here. It's Roto Experts in the morning, the king and the spitting statistician. We'll be right back. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Steiner Sports is the leading memorabilia provider for the New York Yankees, Rangers, Giants, Knicks, and the Brooklyn Nets. Featuring hundreds of items from your favorite athletes, Steiner Sports is your source for the best sports gifts. Go to SteinerSports.com slash box and shop our collection of memorabilia boxes, which include 10 gifts for the price of one. We've made one for each of your favorite teams. Hurry, supplies are limited, and these are some of the best deals we have ever offered. So go to SteinerSports.com slash box today. To Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Friday, June 8th, we got the king and the spitting statistician. And, Scott, let me tell you something. You know, NBC, 
network they do this thing like championship season but this is like a championship three days we can have championships handed out three days in a row as we know game four of the nba finals is tonight the larry o'brien trophy will be in the building because the golden state warriors can become three out of four years the uh, nba champs today uh yes last night we tip our cap here at roto experts in the morning to the washington capitals for taking home lord stanley's cup in i believe it was five games over the vegas golden knights alex ovechkin finally gets it done he wins the con Smythe trophy and then tomorrow we could be handing out another prestigious title i'm talking about the triple crown where justify at belmont could make it happen later on in the show we're gonna have our guy gabe morency uh, help us talk through a little bit of the ponies and justifies chances in, in fact, getting the Triple Crown. Scott, it is officially championship season. I mean, the Stanley Cup, the Triple Crown, the NBA Finals, a lot going on. Congrats to the Caps, though, right, Scott? Yeah. Um, I don't watch hockey, so I'll take your word for it that they won. Yeah, the it was good. Um, yeah, they won. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't watch, I don't watch horse racing, so I'll take your word for it about who's going to win and Gabe for it. Well, I'll take Gabe Morency's word for it. (laughs) As far as the NBA finals, you know, I don't see LeBron winning. He's having any shots of winning the MVP. You know, this thing is maybe going to go to five games at best. Maybe a gentleman's sweep if they can show some pride tonight. Absolutely. Hey, Scott, you've been talking to the Baltimore Orioles all There's no such thing as a gentleman's sweep when the Warriors – actually just bludgeon people in the third quarter the, all, the, all the time. I know. It's There's nothing gentlemanly crazy. about it. There's, I mean, Scott, you know, we, uh, you talk about your, you know, your love for Houdini and stuff like that. I bet then in New York City you remember what I think, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a, B, it's a B-movie cult classic. Do you remember The Warriors where the gang had to, like, bop their way all their way back to Coney Island? Do you remember that? Uh, of course. Right. That's so a, That's I, a cult classic. In that's fact, what I'm saying. When I, when I went to the Long Island Kiss Convention uh, <laughs> last month, one of the guys from The Warriors was there, and he was really, really cool. That's awesome. What I say yeah. is I put up on Twitter, the Warriors in the third quarter, it's almost like when they come out of halftime, someone's banging the bottles, you know, like in that last scene in Coney Island. And they're like, Warriors, yeah. come out and play, yay. And then they certainly do in the third quarter, blowing the socks off of people. They did it again in game three. They got to worry about that tonight. They, they, they just well. own people in the, in the third quarter. But uh, I met Apache Ramos uh, last <laughs> night. I mean, last month from the from the orphans. Uh, oh, that's you know, awesome. the orphans gang. Uh, yeah, last month. What 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 a what a nice guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Hey, if you haven't never seen this movie and don't know what we're talking about, I highly recommend it. The Warriors. They start in Van Wallen Park, scary yeah. New York. Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah. subway graffiti and stuff like that. Yeah. The voice of Carmen Sandiego as the radio DJ, like talking directly to the gangs throughout yep. the entire movie. The baseball player gang, the gang on roller skates. Yes, the, the baseball gang. player. Right. The the. Uh, <laughs> The, the what what the baseball furies at that yeah it was something like there were there were guys dressed like the baseball furies wearing kiss makeup that's awesome actually, but what 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 one one listener actually gave me like a back in the serious XM days gave me a baseball furies action figure as a gift. Oh, really? That is yeah. so cool. One of my friends yeah. is a struggling actor. Actually played the uh, 
audio for one of the orphans orphans in the warrior like playstation game you know so when you beat up this really? member of the, of, of the orphans it's my friend's voice being like ow ow you know that kind of stuff nice. but i digress that's a great movie go on and check it out if you haven't both speeds and the king highly recommended hey scott you were talking to trey mancini a little bit this week uh what'd you talk to him about there the baltimore orioles kid who had a great kind of was it was it his rookie year last year? Um, yeah. And kind of and kind of you know kind of came on the scene. What'd you talk to Trey about? Uh, I talked to Trey. You know he's kind of off to a, a slower start this slower year. Start. And I think I think after the kind of breakout that he had last year, I think uh, pitchers have gotten a better handle on him. And baseball's kind of a constant game of adjustments. And now it's on him to adjust back. All right. So let's uh, hear it straight from the horse's mouth. The King Scott Angle with. Orioles second-year player, Trey Mancini. Scott Engel here with Trey Mancini. Trey, uh, so far you're on pace to almost double your walk rate of last season. Do you feel like you're being more selective so far at the plate this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, and that's something I wanted to work on. Um, and, and, yeah, I um, could tend to chasing pitches out of the zone um, a lot prior, and, and that's definitely something I worked on and, and being a little more selective. Um, I don't know how much you pay attention to the numbers, but uh, your batting average on balls in play, which we fantasy players pay, pay a lot of attention to so far, is 269, which is well below the norm. Do you feel like you've been unlucky so far? Yeah, it's been, I mean, the last two months, it, it's uh, it's been kind of tough in that regard. Um, yeah, like, you know, you'll you'll hit a lot of balls that, that you think are going to drop in, and, and um, they don't, and it happens. And, yeah, it seems to have been happening a lot this year. So, so yeah, it's been kind of a challenge there. But um, a lot of that's credit to, you know, teams do a pretty good job of shifting now and, and reading the scouting reports, and um, that might have something to do with it. And then, yeah, just, just some, some tough luck here and there. Along yeah. those lines, you had a big breakthrough year last season. Do you feel like, you know, based on what you just told me, like the team's really adjusting to you now, they have more of a scouting report and you? Of course, baseball's a constant game of adjustments. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is. Um, I, I think, you know, part of that's the case. And then for, for a little bit, maybe the last three weeks, I haven't quite been feeling like myself either. So I'd say it's a mix of those two things um, has yeah, been the reason for, for me not, you know, doing as well as I would have hoped so far. But, um, you know, hopefully things um, can even out a little bit um, and, and can get hot here. You went undrafted out of high school and in the eighth, you drafted out in the eighth round out of college. Yes. Uh, how much of that was a motivator for you? Uh, it was definitely a motivator. Um, you know, um, yeah, because it's right around draft time now, so you always kind of look back at, at your experience there. And, um, you know, it was a kind of a tough decision. Um, I, I really thought about going back to school and then, um, yeah, decided to, you know, pursue, pursue my professional career. But um, you use it as a motivator. But, again, I think, you know, scouting, especially in baseball, it's kind of a crapshoot a lot of the time too. So, so I, try, I don't take it too personally. Um, you know, I, I thought I would have liked to have been picked higher at the time, but um, I'm not in any way um, bitter or, um, you know, looking back, I think it was good for me, kind of where I was drafted and, and um, yeah, it gave me a little chip on my shoulder and just, you know, helped me to work even harder. And, um, yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's just I think it's really tough to scout kids. You, you just never truly know how anybody's going to turn out to. 
fantasy baseball, uh, not that you know or know anything about it or how to play it, but you do play football. How do you react when people tell you you're the drafted instead of the drafter and say, hey, Trey, I have you on my fantasy baseball team? Do you take that as a compliment because you play fantasy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely cool to uh, yeah to be to be a, a player that that people own on their on their fantasy teams. But um, yeah, I play some fantasy football with some of my college friends. Um, we've had a league um, for a while, and, guys from and Notre Dame. yeah, guys from Notre Dame. So yeah, all the all the guys I played baseball with there. So um, yeah, it, it's pretty cool to uh, to think about that. Yeah, you're you're available and get drafted in that. Who's your favorite NFL team? Oh, uh, the Redskins, Washington. My mom grew up in Bowie, Maryland, and my whole family is DC sports fans. Um, so I kind of, even though I grew up in Florida, I always kind of swayed toward uh, toward DC sports. So, how do you feel about uh, the quarterback change from Kirk Cousins to Alex Smith? I like Alex Smith. I think he's really good. Um, you know, it's they're in a tough division there, though, and and we'll see what happens. But yeah, I've always liked Alex Smith. He he always seemed to uh, to get the Chiefs to the playoffs and he did a good job there he's he's good at managing games I think they have it uh Trey Mancini with the King Scott Angle right here on Roto Experts in the morning on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network Scott I thought it was really interesting we always talk about how especially these rookies who do well right the process of the league adjusting to them them making adjustments back but then when you combine it with Mancini a little bit of unluckiness like you were saying maybe a low BABIP things of that nature he's got a you know the cycle of making adjustments will just continue with him and the league, right? Yeah. Baseball is a constant game of adjustments. Sound cliche, but it's true. But last year, his Babbitt was 352 and he had 293. Mm. So you figured he's going to hit more like 270 like this year. Right. But, uh, you know, now the Babbitt's 278 and he's hitting 231. Ultimately, I think he lands like maybe around 255 or something like that, uh, you know, with, with around 20, 22 home runs. Uh, you know, could be a free agent in some leagues and some some more shallow leagues. And when he gets hot, I think you pick him up because I think Mancini will just play better than he is now. You have guys like him and Jonathan Scope who are just scuffling right now. And you know, the Orioles are 26th in, in team batting. Nothing's going right for them. But uh, it doesn't seem like, although we talked about how frustrated like Machado has gotten, you know, for different reasons. Right. Adam Jones is, you know, still happy-go-lucky in the clubhouse. Jonathan Scope and uh, Trey Mancini are just trying to keep a, a stiff upper lip about it, like the cliche goes. Right. And, you know, see, seeing how things turn out from... Uh, you know, we, we tend to analyze it very deeply. The players think differently than we do. You know, they're just going to go out and do their thing. And, you know, where they, if the hits fall... The hits fall. They they realize that baseball's a very tough game. The best hitters only succeed three out of ten times. So all you can do is, you know, keep watching video, keep going into the cage, and waiting yeah. for something to to break for you. It's like it's like Keith Hernandez talks about in his new book. He he says he would be in slumps for weeks and not be able to figure it out, even at his level. And then all of a sudden, one day you go go to the park, you hit the ball on the screws, and say, "Where has that been the last three weeks?" Yeah, absolutely. And listen, people, that's why you listen to Roto Experts in the morning, okay? The King Scott Angle gets player interviews like nobody I know. He's also going to be able to probably get a little of interviews from the Subway Series this week here in New York. Holler at us at Roto Experts in the morning. If you want Scott to, you know, ask some specific questions to some specific players, let's see what, what we can do. You know, Scott, when you talk about how, like, if they're riding high or in a slump, they just kind of stay focused, they do their business, you know, they kind of just focus on what they can control. You know, I'm not a professional athlete, but what 
I liken it to, Scott, is playing cards, you know, like playing blackjack. You know, you keep on doing the right thing, like by the book, you know, and eventually the cards turn for you. Or playing poker, you still know you try to get your chips in the middle, you know, when you have the advantage. But you can't control if all of a sudden that seven of clubs yeah, drops to but, give the guy but that, the straight. That, that's, that's more luck. You know, um, but what and, I'm saying is you can still only do what you control and you don't change your approach, stuff like that. You just keep on plugging away at it and like the kind of proverbial chips. Well, sometimes they sometimes, sometimes, you sometimes get a guys do the change their approach. If they're in a slump for a long time, you know, they might look at launch angle or something right. they're doing mechanically, especially if they're a younger player. Uh, you, you can't control things to a certain degree. Yep. In baseball, it's just it's much tougher than any other sport. I think the poker thing is like that's way more luck and random. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'm just trying to find ways to win that cash. Scott, let's transition. Let's talk about a little DFS, get people ready to win some cash here on a Friday slate. Remember, guys, go on over to Daily Roto. They have great insights, great previews. They make millionaires. We talked to Michael Leone yesterday on air uh, with Jake and I. Listen, as I look to the slate today, Scott. It's ace day. I mean, Chris Sale, Jacob DeGrom, who we've talked about, Verlander, Bauer, we talked about Sale. And then even under that, there's guys that I like. Walker Bueller, Vincent Velasquez has been strong. You know, I mean, Steven Strasburg. There is no dearth of pitching today. It's kind of just whose matchup you like best. A lot of good options today. Where are you going, Scott? Uh, there's a few guys I like. I mean, you pointed out the obvious. I don't put yeah. Bauer on those other guys' level okay. as, as good as he's been. He's been uh, very good. You know, the, with the way the Mets have been hitting, I think you have to, even though he's going against DeGrom, I think you have to seriously consider Masahiro Tanaka. I mean, the Mets scored one run in two games against the Orioles, who are the worst team in baseball. Uh, you know, they basically let Alex Cobb shut them down, and you know they can't figure anything out right now. So I think... He's somebody I like. I think J.A. Happ against the Orioles. Uh, Happ is always always capable of a very strong start. I think I think Sale against the White Sox tonight really yeah. is the chalk. Trevor Bauer, if Michael Fulmer has a good start on the on the other side, don't like him necessarily. Uh, maybe as much. Uh, Caleb Smith at home against the Padres. It's a good matchup. Yeah, I, th- I like I like him him and and and, and Tanaka tonight. Uh, Interesting. So when everybody else is pending, you know, over 10,000 on their starters, you know, maybe it's a knock. You need a second pitcher. Yeah. And I mean, Smith for me. And I like that because what you're doing, Scott, is you're attacking these, you know, kind of putrid offenses, right? San Diego's not going to scare you. The Mets, we've talked about. Listen, the Mets haven't put up runs recently against the Padres, the Reds, you know, and, and some other teams that are, you know, nothing. And the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Orioles, Orioles in that two-game sweep <laughs> scored, Orioles. scored three runs. Yeah, and so, so you gotta like Jay Hap. You, yeah, oh. I, I like that. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, who will be facing the Mets tonight as well. Caleb Smith, and you know Caleb Smith's strikeout rate is also yeah. there. I believe in the high twenties, isn't it, uh, Scott? So I mean, he's yeah. got he's you know those are some interesting. Would you you talk about these guys as a second pitcher though, Scott? Would you go heavy on offense and maybe start Tanaka and Caleb Smith? As your two starters, or you know, or go down. You said you didn't like Bauer, but you know, go down to uh, someone like a Hap as well. I didn't say I didn't like Bauer. 
I said just I just put him on the level at Ver- Verlander sure. and Strasburg and those. Relatively guys. speaking, so would you? Could this be a day where you go to that mid tier and try to spend up on bats instead, or do you feel like you still need, you know, you need the sale or you know one of these big boys in your lineup? You need a Degrom or a Sale, and then you're looking at these guys as a number two, or could you, especially maybe in a GPP, go with you know Tanaka and Hap? Or Bauer and Caleb Smith, something like that. I think yeah, I, what I'd like to do ideally is roll out multiple lineups and play mm. all these scenarios out. Because you know, if a lot of other people are ru- running sale out there and he has a terrific game, you want that second right. pitcher to make the difference for you. But you certainly can go contrarian and, and say roll out Tanaka and, and Hap and see how that works out for you. And, you know, in, in a tournament, you know, maybe it does. You know, in a cash game, I think I'm more likely to have a Sale or a Strasburg or somebody like that. All right, fair enough. Check them out over at DailyRoto.com. Like I said, they make millionaires. But also... You could win a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS right now. And if you don't know by now, we have been doing this partnership with DKMS. They are sponsoring a free DFS contest every day on the Daily Roto website. And, you know, you talked about it, Scott. 30% hitting 300. That's an all-star. But that is not a good rate in terms of patients being able to find a bone marrow transplant when struggling against blood cancer. That's where you can help, Okay. Find out how, and you get to play in a free DFS contest. Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS to help someone struggling with this disease, not in the fantasy world, but in real life. Once again, that is DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. Hey, Scotty, one of the things we do here on Roto Experts in the morning on a Friday is we're getting people ready for waivers that are going to run. You know, you talked about a guy like Denard Spann who may be lightly owned. There's a couple of other guys here. There's a nice little article on rotoexperts.com, the mark of fantasy excellence. Well, a couple of other people you may be inclined to think about. You know, you talked about Scott Shebler a little bit. This article also talks about a guy like Yuri Guriel. Okay, over there in Houston, he's owned in almost half of leagues. Uh, this guy kind of got off to a slow start. Remember, he had the suspension for his actions in the World Series last year that people did not like. Um, starting to kind of heat up, and especially if, listen, if Correa misses any time, he's going to be, Guriel's going to be right in the middle of this, you know, lineup, and we know the Astros score runs. You got to figure Guriel is going to be part of that production, runs and ribbies, right, Scott? Yeah, this waiver article on rotoexperts.com combines insights from inside injuries and roto experts mm. to give you a nice, nice double whammy. And uh, with Gorelli, he's only got one home run. You know, last we saw him over full season, he hit 18. And I think the injuries combined with the inside injuries analysis really changed him to alter his approach. He was swinging at pitches outside of the zone more, hitting ball on the ground more so now that he's healthy and he's starting to hit for average uh, I think you need to get on the train before the power starts to come back because uh, I don't think he's a one home run hitter like he is right now I think Arell just going to continue right. to improve and you maybe only be able to get him for like five six bucks all right, so yeah, that's definitely an option. You've got to figure the power will, in fact, come for Gurriel. One other guy that I want to mention, Scott, and you, you've touched on him before once or twice. I'm talking about Wilmer Defoe over there for the Nationals. Okay, listen, we all thought 
that Daniel Murphy was kind of coming back, but now we're getting reports that he's still maybe a little bit of a ways away. This Nationals lineup, we know they can do some work. And Defoe, you know, he's, he's performed pretty well. He's only owned in about 8% of CBS Sports Leagues. The other thing I like about him, Scott, and I've talked about this, I love these guys with multi-position eligibility, and you can have Defoe play second base, shortstop, third, almost anywhere in the infield. Uh, what do you think about Defoe as a potential add as waivers run this weekend? And a 15-team league, if you're desperate, maybe. I'm not too hot on it. The guy's hmm. hitting under 250. There's no power. There's there's no speed. He's got some RBIs. You know, there's been one or two weeks where he's gotten hot and maybe helped your team a little bit. But, you know, Daniel Descalso is still a free agent out there in a lot of leagues. He's got multi-position eligibility, and he's got way better production. Uh, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hot on default whatsoever. Okay, fair enough. I mean, you know, this is why I want to check, you know, what we're hearing up against the king because, listen, all right, when I have a lot of sources of information, I'm riding with FSWA Hall of Famer El Rey de Fantasia, the king, Scott Angle, okay? So, Gracias, muy amable. That's, that's what I try and do here, Scott, and, and I like that. That's why. Have you ever uh, used that with any of the Latin players that you interview in the locker room, Scott? I know some of the Latin media, you know, that I'm friends with, and uh, yeah. their nickname for me is Papi Chulo. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that, Scott. All right. Listen, Scott, I got one more thing I want to ask you about, okay? As you know, Jake and I, we have been, you know, previewing every team. We were focused on the AFC North this week, okay? So we talked. We gave some diamonds and fugazis. We gave some schedule impact. We hey. talk about Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, the whole nine out there, right? Yesterday. We were talking about the Cleveland Browns, and there was a couple of places where Jake and I differed. I want you to kind of, uh, A, you know, ha- you know, cast a kind of deciding vote, and B, help me out. I'm going to try and make a bet with Jake in the second hour, and I want you to help me out, okay? So in the wide uh, receiver— You can make a bet with me, but that uh, doesn't mean you're going to win it. Right, 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 exactly. So I need some help, okay? I had Mike Leone yeah. help me for Roto Clio yesterday as well. I'm getting your insight right now. So in the, in the wide receiver room— Jake is high on Josh Gordon, and I, to be quite honest, I'm not. And one of the reasons why is the team is a better team this year. They have Carlos Hyde. They have Jarvis Landry. They have an ascending David Njoku. And I think that when a team has more options, you know, that what was the preeminent guy is just going to get less targets. Think about, like, you know, moving from Megatron down to, like, what the Lions look like now, how they spread the ball around a little bit more. I call them more of a fantasy herd. And I also think that Jarvis Landry in PPR is a target monster. But Jake thinks that, you know, Josh Gordon will completely outperform Jarvis Landry, even in PPR leagues. And then also, Scott, in the running back room, he is high on Nick Chubb. Now, listen, I think Nick Chubb is a... Good talent and all, right, and warrants the early second-round pick that he was for the Cleveland Browns. But listen, they signed Carlos Hyde. They literally just yesterday extended Duke Johnson to a three-year deal. And I actually think that Hyde will kind of be able to hold off Chubb a little bit, you know, with a better offensive line than he probably ever had in San Francisco as well. Jake completely differs on both of these points with me. What do you think? Um, And the wide receivers, would you favor Gordon or Landry? And how do you think that Baltimore running back room is going to shake out, Scott? I mean, excuse Um, me, the Cleveland running back room. Well, I, Baltimore is the original Cleveland Browns. Team. <laughs> like the original, yeah. Uh, but, so you, you're not wrong there. But <laughs> in terms of receiving, look, Josh Gordon uh, showed that he still has it last year, and he's still, he's still young. 
I think in terms of yardage and touchdowns, I would lean towards Gordon. Right. But still receptions, I would lean towards Landry. And what I was very impressed with was the amount of touchdowns that he scored last year, mm-hmm. you know, showing that different side of himself. I wouldn't be surprised if he caught seven touchdown passes and maybe uh, Gordon catches about eight. But they're two right. different types of players that complement each other differently. I think right. I think they're both going to be wide receiver two types that mm-hmm. uh, one week it could be Landry, though one week it could be Gordon. And I think it depends on who they're playing every week and how they look at a game plan. Can we attack this team deep? Okay, right. you know, then we use Josh that Gordon. Game. Yeah. Do, we, do we need to move the chains more? Uh, you know, Then we're going to use Landry. So I think they'll be valuable both in different sorts of ways. Sure. Uh, as far as far as Najoku, yeah, he's got the potential, but still, he's only a second-year tight end. Uh, and as far as the running backs go, uh, to me, uh, Jake is higher on rookie running backs than most every year. Like I've heard him say, pro sites and right. Jamal Williams in the past, and really laud these guys to the high heavens. But sometimes these guys don't come in and produce the first. Like years a Derrick Henry, for example. Yeah, this, this is a very dangerous situation. Could be a committee of Hyde, Chubb, and Johnson. Yeah. So how many points do you think I should give him? You think I should make this bet and take Landry and, and, and Hyde over Gordon and Chubb in PPR formats? Because I agree, Josh Gordon will get 1,100 yards, Landry will only get 800, but Landry will get 95 catches, whereas Gordon may only get 70. How many points do you think I need to lay to make this kind of heads-up battle, Scott? What, what do you mean? I, like yeah, fantasy yeah, points. That's... Fantasy points. Like if we combine – if he combines Chubb – and Gordon's fantasy points, and I combine Landry and Hyde's fantasy points, you know, how many points would I have to get in order to make this a kind of fair trade or a fair bet? I don't know if I'd lay points. It's just like – You which, think it's even which, up? Which one is – no, which one is going to outscore the other? All right. And I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably lean towards the Gordon-Chubb side. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. I got to get a couple yeah. points to make it safe. We shall see. Hey, Scotty, have I a think great it should weekend. Be out right. Yeah. All right. Have a great weekend with the uh, with Subway Series. We'll talk for two full hours on Monday. We'll be right back with you all yeah. in kid. Have a good one, Scott. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The King Scott Engel has made the hot tag into the All Ink Kid Jake Seely, who joins us now as we slide into a weekend. Jake. I don't know, man. I feel like summertime is going. People are turning the page. The NHL and the NBA crowning their champions. The third jewel of the Triple Crown. It feels like summer. People are excited walking around the streets. Do you share the excitement? Are you as excited as Tim Tebow at a Jets press conference, Jake? For what? I don't know. Summer. Happiness. Summer's been here. I don't know. What do you mean? Like, what do people just wake it up? Today, yeah, I mean, I feel it's bright. I see people walking around in shorts, sundresses for women. It makes me—it's—it's a nice thing. It's—it's been summer. All right, fine. You know, Jake continues. If nothing else, Jake is consistent. Jake is consistent with his approach, and I like that about you, Jake. I respect that. Um, you know who? 
uh, I don't necessarily respect if he's using the performance enhancing drugs, and that's Julian Edelman. You know, we're getting reports out yesterday that Edelman is going to be uh, facing a four-game suspension. You know, he's not the first. We've heard about Mark Ingram as well and others. Julian Edelman, I guess my question for you is, what is the impact on this Patriots offense? You know, we talk about the Patriots and how they kind of keep on humming regardless of what happens as long as Brady and Belichick is there, how they can lose coordinators, they can lose wide receivers, they can lose a guy like Deion Lewis. Um, At some point, you know, doesn't it have to actually impact them? Like, who scares you outside of Gronk if they lose Edelman on that offense? What do you think is the impact of this, Jake? No, there's no, there's already value here to begin with. You know, the sad thing is, is this destroys the value we had because the value was the fact that Chris Hogan deserved to be going earlier than the seventh round. Chris Hogan, people forget. It's like, this is why fantasy football can be great for people who know what they're doing because people automatically forget or so quickly forget that he was a wide receiver one before he got hurt. He was among the tops in the league. He had three straight games with, what was it, 100 yards and a touchdown yep. or whatever it was. Like yep. He was dominating the league last year, and everything that people were hoping, oh, Chris Hogan was going to come to the Patriots and have a great value, and Tom Brady was going to get the most out of him because this is what the Patriots do, and nobody's been able to do anything with Chris Hogan, but the Jets, the Patriots will. The Patriots will do it. And they did, and now everybody forgot about it. Everybody just forgets that that's what Chris Hogan was doing. So Chris Hogan was already coming out of value. Every Everybody missed the Jordan Matthews signing. Just wasn't even paying attention right. that day. People forgot that even happened. And Jordan Matthews, granted, hasn't hit his ceiling, and granted, hasn't done much since his rookie season where he caught those touchdowns, and even a little bit more so the year after that. But since those two years, he really hasn't progressed at all. But if you look at a team again that gets that, oh, I forgot about that guy, or oh, that guy hasn't been that good. They finally got the best out of him. Jordan Matthews was going to look to be intriguing out of that hybrid slot with him without Edelman, like depending on where they were lining up. And in any case, he could have been their number three. Now, both their values are going out the window, though, because Edelman is out for the first four games. Now, Hogan isn't a seventh, eighth round value. So he's going to get pulled up into the fifth, actually, possibly even the fourth. Jordan Matthews is going to go from being free to probably ending up in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. So the fact is, is that's what's going to happen, is the people who are being undervalued, are that we're, we're basically saving people from themselves, unfortunately. No, I hear you. You know, when we talk about, like, the term sleeper, right, you know, the, the, it's so funny. You know, in the leagues that I'm in, when I see all this kind of, like, basic fantasy analysis and they talk about guys that are quote-unquote sleepers, I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been on that guy for weeks. Or, like, that guy got drafted in my league early on. What are you talking about? How are these people sleepers? You know, it's kind of a relative term. And it sounds like what you're saying is people like a Chris Hogan or like a Jordan Matthews, you know, kind of just uh, become woke to more people. And it kind of also, it hurts us because, right, we have these kind of dynamics in the rough that we know we can get at value because the rest of the world aren't really on as much, but now they're seeing the light of day because of these kind of, uh, you know, either injuries or suspensions. You were saying the same thing, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, about Mike Williams over with the Chargers, right? Like, you were kind of already on him. And then with the Hunter Henry news, then all of a sudden, more people are like, oh, Mike Williams could be the beneficiary. And you behind the scenes are like, man, damn it. Because, you know, you had a chance to get him at value and that chance is no longer there right is is that what you're pretty much saying jake like he's now kind of uh on the radar more because of these other moves or injuries or suspensions 
Oh, 100 percent. The thing is, is, let's turn it to everybody listening too, and say it's not anything. Just like, oh, damn it, I got you know, these guys that I was hot, and everybody's getting the value. You know, before, no, the same thing is. This is the argument for drafting early. There's definitely a downside for the if you drafted already and you already drafted Hunter Henry. There's your downside. On the flip side, you are getting Chris Hogan in the eighth round. You're getting Jordan Matthews for free. You're getting Mike Williams. He was free. You, you can get these kind of values. You can get the rookies that we're talking about from Darius Geis and Nick Chubb in the middle rounds and Rashad Penny not even getting to the second round. Like all these, as you get this is last year, the same thing. Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt, you were getting the fourth and fifth round. I know because I was doing the same thing around this right. time. August, they're going to the second round. So this is the argument for drafting early. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Remember, Jake, uh, you know, we did a little kind of way too early fantasy football draft on like, you know, just among uh, the hosts and stuff here on the Fantasy Sports Network. And I remember I was taking I was taking Richard Penny, you know, uh, really early, you know, and now, you know, more people are on him. There's buzz about him being a three down back, you know, so I won't be able to, you know, I, people are not going to sleep on these sleepers as much. Jake, though, you mentioned Darius Geis, and I wanted to talk about him. You know, early on in rookie minicamp, Gruden was talking about how he was like an early down banger, right? And an in-between-the-tackles kind of guy. And we thought the roles would be set. You know, Chris Thompson, one of the best PPR kind of backs out there in the NFL as well, and that would be the composition of this running back room. Yesterday, though, we hear, um, you know, reports, quote-unquote, exciting to watch Darius Geis catch the football. Um, is there a growing chance that you could see Darius Geis as a three-down back, as this kind of uh, workhorse kind of back for the Washington football team, or is this just talk the same way everybody's talking in the month of June, Jake? Uh, neither, because it was never a growing chance. The fact is it was going to happen. This is another one, and that's why I really? threw that name in there. Yeah, well, that's the fact is. It's the talent. It's why I put his name in that conversation I was just having mm-hmm. is because the talent wins out. Darius Geis it was going to lead this backfield. Chris Thompson wasn't going away, but Darius Geis can easily catch 20 to 30 passes himself. 20 to 30 is a respectable number. 20 to 30 is Leonard Fournette from last year. And just like Leonard Fournette, I've been saying it this entire time, Darius Geis is a very similar, almost identical running back, everything down to injury concerns. The fact is, he's coming out of school that forgets that you can pass to the the running back because they haven't been right. doing it for years. And well, pass Darius at all at LSU. <laughs> Well, that in general is too, but even if you look at it, is people kind of overlook, you know, the fact of how many uh, t- uh, running backs actually catch forty plus balls. It's not that many, not and especially many, right. once you get to the RB two level, it's especially not that many. Jordan Howard, even if you know, even increasing his ability this year, is not going to catch more than twenty to thirty. And so the same thing with Geis, Marshawn Lynch. You can go to Alex Collins. You can go down the list, and there's a lot of them. And then you talk about the thirty range, and there's a ton in the thirty range. From everybody like you know Penny to Joe Mixon to all the rest of them, but the fact is, Darius Geis is supremely talented. He should have never fallen that far just because he's a weird guy. And the Redskins got an amazing value, and that's why this entire time I've had Darius Geis as a fringe RB one. And this, so to answer your question, like I said, it's neither. It's not that he's growing into us. It's just the fact that this is what he was, and it's just people are getting the book on him now. 
Got you. So if Bavona had that uh, down there in the fantasy pit of misery, if he had that Denny Green, they are who we thought they were, kind of quote, it might apply because uh, Jake is definitely high on Geis, seeing that three-down potential, even ahead of Jay Gruden. I do think, though, that um, uh, Jake, you know, Chris, and you, you said this, but that Chris Thompson's not going anywhere in the passing game, right? He still will be, especially in PPR formats, a viable back as well. Am I, is, is that correct? Yes, but he's a three this year, not a two. That's because Darius Geis is going to make his touches more. He's going to fall. He's going to turn into theoretic, and that's the thing. Theoretic in PPR has more valuable weeks than not, but he's still going to be inconsistent, and there's going to be weeks where he doesn't do a whole lot for you. I mean, I can tell you right now, Chris Thompson, I only have for 800 change total yards with 50 mm-hmm. receptions. So that's valuable, and that's basically, like I said, that's theoretic. It's just you have to understand the risk that it comes with every single week is you might get a few three- or four-point weeks. All right, fair enough. Uh, so, you know, there's Jake helping you set your expectations for the running backs for the Washington football team. Jake, you just, uh, in your last analysis, mentioned the guy Hold that on a I kind of— What was that? Hold on. Scott, Scott would get mad if I didn't say it because the, all those projections and rankings are going to be part of the exclusive edge fantasy football. Oh, yes, they week. are. They absolutely are. And we're going to be, you know, turning the page to football. We're talking about our team by team. And if anybody beats us, and by us I mean Jake in Roto Cleo for the week, they can also get an exclusive of edge football package. Way to no, promote no, yesterday there, Jake. I yesterday. Doing. Uh, well, we had Mikolas, though. We had Mikolas, both of us, right? Oh, w. yeah, I forgot we both had Mikolas. We, we did that so last minute that I forgot. All right. Yeah, we That's both had Mikolas, and then I had Austin Meadows, who wasn't even in the starting lineup and went 0-for-1 as a pinch hitter, but I digress. <laughs> it's all good. I didn't have any time to late swap. I was driving, you know, I was driving from work, and I couldn't make it happen, but that's okay. Listen, the one guy that you mentioned in your last analysis that I wanted to touch on was Jordan Howard, Jake, and here's why. The Bears are talking again, you know, Mitch Trubisky talking about how Kevin White has all this passion, you know, Nagy saying how much fun he's going to have with Tariq Cohen, right? Things of that nature. But my question for you is this. The Bears have made a lot of additions on offense. AR-15, Gabriel, Trey Burton, they still have Cohen, you know. When I look at this new, you know, this new fresh in vogue offense of the Bears, all four of those guys I just named, Robinson, Burton, Gabriel, Cohen, they're all, in my opinion, more dynamic than Jordan Howard. And when I see all this and I see the, the options that the Bears have now, I want to fade Jordan Howard. I think Jordan Howard is not going to get as much uh, of the kind of target share. He's not going to get as many of the carry. Or he's still might get carries. But the offense, I think, is evolving away from what Jordan Howard does most for this team. And I think they just have more options that are, quite frankly, more potential of being game breakers, more dynamic. So I'm going to fade Jordan Howard when we get to the Bears preview. Um, does that sound crazy to you, Jake? No, well, yes, but please do it in my leagues. I hope people continue to do this. I ho- <laughs> really, you like Howard? Why not? They, they, see, I just told the, you because they don't. No, they, now, at AR fifteen is going to have to get the ball. Burton's going to have to get the ball. Nagy is enamored apparently that, with Tariq Cohen. No, no. See, first of all, Nagy's already come out and said the same thing about Jordan Howard that he's excited to get him used more than he was last year. It's so June. He loves everybody. Exactly. Well, no, so that's the point. You can't make the argument that he loves one person that doesn't love the other. So that, just throw that out. The fact is, love Jordan or not, Howard, though, they sign out. Al- Al- can I, can I tell you why? Can, can I tell you why? I'll hit mute on my mic. Go ahead. 
So the fact is, Jordan Howard continues to get this respect, the guy who just ran for 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. What more talent do you want? What more explosiveness do you want? 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. You know how many running backs did that last year? Four. Uh, four. Besides there him. So, so the fact is, Jordan Howard is not going away, and they're going to use more shotgun this year, which Jordan Howard averaged 5.8 and 7.2 yards per carry in the shotgun for the past two years. He's even better in the shotgun. People always assume that the pass-catching running back is the one who benefits, but it's a lot of times the standard first and second down running back, too. And the fact is, he still caught 23 balls despite being miserable, admittedly so, in the passing game on 32 targets. He only had nine passes that he didn't catch. Probably all nine drops, but the fact is, you look at it, Tariq Cohen can be a part of this offense. They have a true number one in Allen Robinson. They have brought in Trey Burton, you're right. But there's plenty of teams out there that have multiple weapons. Look at Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt in a rookie season where he was barely being used the first couple weeks and was getting screwed around by Andy Reid had Travis Kelsey, the number one tight end, had a top five wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. Guess what? he was still fine. The fact is, is Jordan Howard is going to continue to be a value. You're going to keep giving me in the third round, Jordan Howard. I will win all of those leagues. Please do. All right. It sounds – oh, by the way, I'm sorry, Jake. Are you done? Because I don't want to interrupt. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Fantastic. You can Fantastic. always interrupt, but you can always interrupt. <laughs> Just stop adding to your argument while I haven't even rebuttaled on mine. All right, fair enough. I need to learn the laws and the rules of debating the all-in kid. I will say this, Jake. Listen, I, I, when we get to the Bears and Bavona, we got to put this on a spreadsheet somewhere. we got to track all of these things because I don't know. I'm definitely lower on Jordan Howard than Jake. Jake seems to be this is one of the hills Jake is going to die on this year. I mean, sure. I'm not saying the no. skills. But for <laughs> I'm going to be living and waving the flag in hey, enjoyment hey, at the end of the year. <laughs> the Bears, um, fair enough. Well, we shall see. This has got to be something we keep tabs on because, you know, I, I just think by definition, I hear you. There are other teams, like you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Yes, Hunt leads the league in rushing, and they had other viable options in Hill and Kelsey and blah, blah, blah. I do think that's slightly different, Jake, than when you talk about with the same team year to year, right? And so year over year, when they involve to get other weapons, there has to be a sacrifice somewhere. Personally, I think it's Jordan Howard. You clearly don't. So we're going to have to track Jordan Howard. It's going to have to be one of the guys we talk about all year no, because, long. Because it, it can benefit everybody. Look at the Rams last year. They finally got weapons in the passing game. And the, the multiple people had passing numbers that entire year. Jared Goff finally broke out. Todd Gurley had his best season ever. You can okay. benefit everybody. That's the fact is the passing game only helps the running game. It's not, it's, this isn't Drew Brees' Saints from two and three years ago where he's throwing for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns and the running backs barely get used. A, a decent passing game will always open up the running game. All right. Well, there's only one way to find out. There will be 16 games, and we'll be able to debate it some more here on Roto Experts in the morning. Yesterday, Jake, we talked about the Browns, and the Browns made a little bit of news yesterday. Uh, first of all, they signed Duke Johnson to a three-year, $15 million extension. Um, you know, we talked yesterday, Jake, about that kind of backfield in Cleveland and how I was a little bit higher on Hyde than you were, and you really like Nick Chubb this year. Duke Johnson will at least be in the fold for three more years. 
years at $15 million. And also, Jake, I don't know if you saw this, but Jarvis Landry was given some interviews and decided to say that, you know, the quarterbacks he's working with now in Cleveland, uh, you know, and Tyrod Taylor and even Baker Mayfield, were far better than the quarterback play he had in Miami, throwing a little bit of shade to Ryan Tannehill. Um, what do you think that is? you think that's just like spilled milk kind of thing, or is he just trying to hype up his current quarterbacks or throw shade at Tannehill? Why, why give comments like that to just become bulletin board material, Jake? I don't know. Where do you want to go on this? What do you think about this Jarvis Landry interview where he really kind of hypes up his current team and kind of throws shade at Ryan Tannehill? I think it's just it's not spilt milk. I just think he's happy to get away from it. And it's the similar. It's probably I'm surprised Alan Robinson hasn't said the same thing about Blake Bortles. This, this honestly, because you know we know the frustrations. Alan Robinson expressed it on the field. We saw him right. get angry with Blake Bortles. We saw the frustration. Jarvis Landry was putting up numbers, so it was masked to a degree. But he had to be frustrated playing for the Dolphins for the past couple of seasons. The quarterback play included the team, the winning the on winning ways, I should say. The entire culture, he probably wanted to get the heck out of there. He's happy to be out of there. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised that Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield look better than Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill has had some promise, but he's definitely never really put it all together right. for any type of consistent stretch and then the injuries and his own play. So I think it's just being truthful. Again, you don't necessarily have to call out names. You could have just said this is some of the most fun or most productive or right. best play that have been a part of without doing it that way. But, you know, that's what athletes do sometimes. They like to, you know, talk smack. Fair enough. Sometimes if you don't have something nice to say, you don't say anything at all. My mama taught me. Nah, that is, sport, that is sports. <laughs> that's what we have to talk about. If, I mean, someone, just, if someone sticks a microphone in front of your face, though, you got to say something, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would never say something like, yo, this is the best show that I've ever had. But it's definitely better than when I was doing it with Greg. I mean, I like right, that. right, right, right. That's, no, because then I'd be on the, I'd be texting Greg, and I'd be texting Benny Riccardi or something, right, and being like, "Yo, did you hear what Jake Seeley had to say?" Starting drama where we don't need it. Hey, Jake, real quick, we talked about Jordan Howard. We got to put that up. We got to make a thing for this, okay? Right, just like how we do Roto Clio, we got to make a series of our like kind of gentlemen's bets where we bet the tacos or we bet props to each other, you know, something like that. Because yesterday when we were talking about Cleveland, we disagreed on the running back a little bit. We disagreed on the wide receivers a little bit. I asked the king, Scott Angle, today to kind of help me out. Because if we go on over to mybookie.ag, Jake, you can build the props builder. You know what I mean? And kind of basically create your own stakes. So here's the question I have for you, Jake. If you took Nick Chubb and Josh Gordon, and I take Carlos Hyde and Jarvis Landry in PPR formats, my question for you is like, how many fantasy points would you give me for it to be kind of an even bet. Like, it'd be your Give side. You? My, yeah, your side Give, minus 15 you, you, points or something you like out that. Of, no, are you out of your damn mind? Give oh, it's you? only a straight up? This is only a straight up bet? So yesterday, you talk about how crazy I am to kind of think no. that this could be even, and then today you won't give me any points? No, no, because the fact is you should be giving me points. Oh, I should be giving you points. But yesterday it was out of control that I would even consider Ed, Hyde and, and Landry. Exactly. But the point is you can't just because of my opinion 
take that. Like, you just don't go like, all right, let's look at tonight's games. Let's find, okay, Justin Verlander against Doug Fister. You know, there's no way on earth Justin Verlander loses. So it's like, oh, I got you got to give me five more runs. No, it's my opinion. Be, so the, just because of that, Jarvis Landry is ranked higher than jo- Josh Gordon at PPR. You're running back, but everybody is ranked higher than the rookie who might not even play day one according to the team so far, and I disagree with that. So there's no way on earth that I should be giving you points. You should be giving me points. It just sounds, Jake, like you're not as confident as in your opinion as you were yesterday. No, you don't were really play that strong game. on this don't one, Jake. Play. Come on. Don't, don't but play now when it comes game. to put your money where your mouth no, no, no. is, no, no. you don't want to do it. No. no, we haven't been doing a show a long time. I'll let you know you talk about the things that will trigger. Don't do that. That will trigger me. Don't do what? What did I do? Lay it out explicitly so I know not to do put, it again. Put Jake. words in my mouth like that that like I'm backing off a stance because of what the truth is. So what was it yesterday when I brought up when I brought up that I liked Hyde, that I thought he would hold up, uh, you know, the, the progress of Nick Chubb. And when we talked about Jarvis Landry and we talked about Josh Gordon yesterday, what then was your point? So I could be clear. What, because I thought you were telling me. I haven't me, changed my point. I haven't changed my point. They were out. There are, they are the better options. Again, I'll do straight up and stuff like that. My point was you are taking the better people according to consensus. I'm saying consensus and you are wrong. You, I don't mm. give you the points just because I'm holding to my opinion and it's stronger. Okay. I would just you say. Don't go, you don't go to Vegas and tell them to change their points because of your opinion. All right, fair enough. I will just say, Jake, when we were talking about it yesterday, it did not seem like you were representing that my point or my side of it was the consensus. It sounded like yesterday, to me, it sounded like you thought it wasn't the consensus, that what I was saying was kind of, uh, you know, an, uh, off the beaten path, and that what you were saying was the, the kind of more the consensus. It sounded to no, me now, now you're, like Now the you're assuming and reading into things. I'm asking. Yes, that's why I'm asking. That's why I thought. That's why I thought that it would be an interesting kind of uh, matchup, shall we say? Because I felt my feelings, Jake, that uh, you know that you were saying that this was way out of the norm. What I was saying. Okay. So let's do it straight up then, because I still think this is going to be an interesting thing for us to follow all year. Are you willing to do it straight up then, Jake? That because I'm that confident, but again, to my point, is <laughs> right, right. so it's about the confidence here. You're taking the better players, according to everybody. Okay, well, uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's make it a gentleman's bet and find out. Jake, we were, in fact, talking about the AFC um, North all week long. We all agree that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to kind of win this division. What I think is interesting, and I want to get your thought on, is, listen, NFL Rookie of the Year. You know, there's some options here in the AFC North. You got Baker Mayfield at plus 650. You got a guy like Lamar Jackson at plus 2,000. What do you? What's your take uh, on this Rookie of the Year idea? Because I know you like even a guy like um, you know Rosen in Arizona, Allen in Buffalo. Think Darnold. You, you think a lot of these guys are going to start right off the bat? Do you think Mayfield or Lamar Jackson have a decent shot at a uh, Rookie of the Year with some of these odds we see over on MyBookie.ag? No. Nobody has any odds. This is this should just be who doesn't get it outside of Barkley. There's there's no other odds. Okay, so you think it's 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 Saquon Barkley's obviously to lose. You know, only if there was an injury or something like that. Saquon Barkley is at plus one twenty. He is the favorite, and you think it is warranted. He should be the runaway favorite for uh, for rookie of the year. 
Um, yeah, I would put. I would surprise. He's not even money versus the rest of the field. Yeah, he's at plus 120 right now. Let me also ask you, we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think? Do you, do you think the Steelers are viable in kind of bets for the AFC championship? Or do you think this is New England, like you would only bet New England for that kind of bet? The Steelers right now are plus 380 over at mybookie.ag. So we're talking about a three-to-one odds there. you find any value in that for the Steelers to win the conference? I mean, there's a little bit. But, yeah, obviously it would be Patriots and then everybody else. But this might be the most vulnerable the Patriots have been since right. I'd say 2009 which was the last time they didn't win 12 games because we talked about that the other day mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'd say they're the most vulnerable since then so it's it's interesting I mean if you're not going to vote for the Patriots who or, or vote I should just say bet, bet. if you're not going to bet for them who are you going to bet on it'd probably be the Steelers and the Jaguars I honestly my second favorite would be the Chargers I also, yes, and you know that we share this, Jake. We've talked about how high I am on the Los Angeles Chargers. I do believe they got an interesting shot this year as well. I like that as a sleeper team. When we profile the AFC West, we'll definitely get into that. Hey, Jake, one more piece of news before we go on into break here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I know, you know, how we've talked about things like the anthem and White House visits, how you're a fan of um, tradition and procedure and routine. Well, we're not talking about that, Jake, but Terrell Owens has decided that he is going to issue tradition here and he is going to not attend his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. You know, he comes out and says he'll be celebrating with his family and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But, uh, to me, Jake, this kind of just adds to the narrative of T.O. being kind of a malcontent and bad with the press and difficult to work with. Why would he take this tack? What do you think about T.O. not going to his, his own ceremony? This is people – this is America being America, and everybody's doing tit for tat and trying to win. It's just it, – this is – I compared it yesterday. We were talking about the frenzy, and I compared it to, honestly, the front office of the United States. And the, you know what I'm talking about there. Is mm-hmm. The fact is, is everybody always wants to be, ha-ha, I win, I told you so. It's, and the fact is, both people are wrong. It, again, like, the, the Hall of Fame should have never – not voted him in the first time. That that was egregious right. to begin with, let alone after that. So T.O.'s bitter. So now he wants to be like, ha-ha, screw you. I'm not showing up. And then they're going to be like, well, we don't want you here anyway. And they're like, So it's just the back and forth, and it's the old saying. The middle school know, feel, that, right, Jake? Like you were saying before, well, I was the middle say, school it's like you, Well, yeah, exactly. But it's the same thing as what's going on with the White House and football teams and stuff like that, and then the NFL. Like, and every sport. And that's just not that. It's just a good comparison right now. I I don't know what the exact saying is, but it's basically you throw enough crap around, everybody has it on them. And that's just what it is. Everybody looks bad. Everybody looks like idiots. Just suck it up and be a freaking man these days. Or not even a man, a woman. or Just be a human these days, and you don't have to be, like, spiteful in everything you do. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think it is kind of like a uh, passive-aggressive on Terrell Owens' part. And to be quite honest, the way I think about it, you know, this is not only for you, you know, going in. When you see kind of at the, the induction ceremonies and the fields are littered with all these fans, this would have been an opportunity for fans of, you know, 49ers and all the teams that he was on to be able to kind of, you know, celebrate him and honor him, and he's taken that away. I think it's a bad look for Terrell Owens. When we come back, though, Jake, we'll have Gabe Morency talking a little bit about the Belmont Stakes, and we got to get into Roto Clio as well. Roto experts in the morning. 
Dumbo. Chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game? Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. There you'll find a link to a free DFS baseball contest every day. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, and they're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. Find out how you can help and play in free DFS contests with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. That's DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. When you're... Welcome back. Roto experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The all-in kid, Jake Seeley, the spitting statistician. We're figuring out how to make some gentlemen's bets here on a Friday as we slide on into the weekend. Hey, Jake, I got to ask you something else. In the first hour, because I'm here in New York, okay, and in New York, we are seeing reports left and right that the Mets may become sellers, and they're dangling big names like Jacob deGrom, who will start today, and Noah Syndergaard, who, by the way, right now is losing to Aaron Judge in our poll, 66-34 to 34 in terms of the face of baseball. I don't think you want to lobby on that one, Jake, right? You agree that Judge should win this first-round matchup? Is that correct? Uh, I'm not going to lobby either way for this one. Syndergaard is more recognizable for the past couple of years, but Judge, especially with the teeth, he's basically got like the stray hand thing going for every single tooth. uh, And people, because he plays for the Yankees, everybody knows him because of the power and now recognize him immediately. Before, Before this season, even with Judge last year, I would have probably said probably Syndergaard because it's the Thor thing, easily right. recognizable. But judges, they, like, this could go either way. If judges win, I have no problem either way. It's almost like judges' teeth against Syndergaard's hair in yeah. this one for the face of baseball. I'd, but, yeah, but honestly, I'd probably vote for judge at this point too because it's yeah. the Yankees and they're, and they're at least winning. So let's yeah. go ahead and talk about the Yankees or the Mets part of it because this is infuriating. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, this could be a media creation. We do have the Subway Series kicking off here in New York this weekend as well. But there are reports that DeGrom and Syndergaard could be the means for the Mets to restock the farm system if they do indeed uh, kind of fall out of it. And most people think that that 11-1 start was a misnomer, shall we say. But here's the thing. Fall out of it. They have the worst record in baseball right. since then. Yeah, I know. So I agree. So maybe, so maybe they will be sellers. But I would never sell. Now, these two guys have to be the cornerstones of any rebuild. I mean, they are young. I understand no. they'll get you back a bigger haul, but, I mean, this is a little bit crazy. Do you think that this is a smart idea to dangle studs like this, Jake? Not, there's no question in my mind it is. And honestly, it's hmm. stupid if they don't because of what the rumors are. This is the similar situation to the Giants in the draft with the rumors of what was there for the number two pick. Again, this is rumors, so we do have to understand, like, it's – Again, basing on if this is the truth, if this is the rumor deal is true. And what I'm saying is, you know, I got annoyed at the beginning of the show on Twitter is because John Morosi's tweet is, Jacob deGrom isn't likely to be available in a midseason trade, even though the Mets are tied for MLB's worst record since May 1st. DeGrom won't be a free agent until after 2020. They could believe they can make the playoffs again in that window. Oh, Really? After 2020, that's two years. That's 2019, 2020. Jacob DeGrom is 30 years old. I know he's not a typical 30-year-old pitcher with the kind of wear and tear that's normally there because he got a later start and he had Tommy John in the minors all that time. Still, he's 30, and you're in the playoffs the next two years. Let's look at this Mets roster and tell me when they're getting into the playoffs for the next two years because the pitching staff certainly has nobody behind these two, and Thor has now been hurt for multiple seasons 
and that's an issue. So you got that as a problem. You got Cespedes is tying up $30 million for the next two seasons as well. So to be able to go out of the free agency when this team is not allowed to spend money because the Wilpons are still crying about Bernie Madoff, right. the fact is, where are you going to fix that? You've got Jay Bruce for a terrible contract when they did it for $14 million for the same time. So then you have Cespedes and Bruce tying up nearly $45 million between the two of them. You go further down this list, Todd Frazier gets $9 million next year, and then the rest of their team is Ahmad Rosario, Conforto, maybe, if he ever finally wakes back up. Nemo. Nemo. And they have one of the worst farm systems in baseball. The thing is, is baseball unlike football, needs to be a copycat league and learn from other teams. Look at what the Cubs did. Look at what the Epstein did with that team. Look at what the Yankees, the Yankees just did. Flipping Look at Miller what the and Chapman. Yeah, the Astros did it more long-term than those two teams did, and that was more sufferable for their fans. But the fact is the Yankees went from a rebuild. Give Brian Cashman all the credit in the world for what he did with this team. They not only did that, they traded away a player, got one of the best prospects in baseball, and they come back and re-sign him in free agency anyway. So if you want to say, well, why don't the Mets just re-sign Jacob DeGrom in 2020? Because that, there's two things here. They don't have the money. They're not allowed to spend money. And so let's come back to this again. The, the report that I just saw yesterday, it was an article that said if the Mets are going to do this, they have to make it a huge hole. I liken it to when Bartolo Colon was traded with the Expos. Cliff Lee, who was an all-star pitcher. Brandon Phillips, all-star second baseman. Grady Sizemore, all-star outfielder who was riddled with injuries, unfortunately, for him. But that's the kind of package they have to get. And that's the article that person said is if the Yankees are going to do this, the Yankees are going to have to make a painful trade, is what he called it. Painful. And because Duar, people, Torres. Well, exactly. So people assume that means starting with Justice Sheffield and uh, either Tyler Austin or right. I forget who the other. No, it's a, he said no. The trade needs to start with Andujar or Torres and possibly even both. I don't think you would get both. But if the Yankees actually came to the Mets and said, Here's, and we'll say Andrew Har because Torres has been playing better. Right. We'll say, here's Andrew Har, here's Justice Sheffield, and now you're going to take one of our second Rome prospects, who they still have plenty of. Mm -hmm. You don't turn that down for the future of your team. And that's my issue with this. And this is why, as what my tweet was about the Mets this morning, this is why they're going to continue being the Mets and they're going to continue their losing ways is because this is how they function. They function with this middle-of-the-road, let's keep throwing Band-Aids on this team, and guess what? You don't have a little nick or scratch on your body. You have a gaping, bloody, freaking down-to-the-bone wound, and you're trying to put Band-Aids on it. That's very good graphic images for 8.30 in the morning, Jake. I appreciate it. Let me ask you this as a Yankee fan. Do you well, now, think... you know, now you know why I'm boycotting the Mets. <laughs> do you think, because, you know, I am a Yankee fan, as you know, so I want to check myself. Do you think it's reasonable to say, let's say for DeGrom, you know, uh, Miguel Andujar, Clint Frazier, uh, you know, like a Chance Adams or Justice Sheffield, and hell, I'll even give them Dylan Batances. You know, do you think that that's, like, a viable starting point? Or am I a crazy I, caller on WFAN? No, if I'm the Mets, I'm taking that right now. Okay. 
I th- right, because I, I think Patances could be interesting because everyone thinks they could fix someone, and I'm ready to cast him aside as a Yankee fan. Well, because the first three, the first three you began with is a great package to begin with. Those are poten- that's a potential three considered similar to the Bartolo Colon trade, and mm-hmm. the fact is what the article said is the argument for why the Mets are going to be reluctant. And he was talking about the Grob. This could be for Thor too. Right. So let's be realistic. Because like, I can see the Mets being more willing to give up Thor is because he keeps getting hurt, and sure. now we have sort of long term potential of. Is he ever even going to pitch 30 games at this point? He is younger, but, though. And that's the counterpoint, as he's younger and he throws 100 miles an hour and shows <laughs> he can be more dominant than right. DeGrom. So you have arguments for both. But the point being is what you just said, that's the package he was talking about. Biggie. You started with Andy Hart, and then you included mm-hmm. Frazier and Justice Sheffield, which were both top five prospects for them. Yeah. So that kind of deal, if the Mets ignore that just because they don't want to trade with the Yankees or because they think they can contend in the next two years – they're out of their damn minds, and there's no other way to put that because you're not contending into the next two years with this roster and filling in a few holes this offseason because if you look it up at the Braves, that team is stacked from top to bottom, right. and they're only going to get better with more development. The Nationals are still better than you. The Phillies have passed you this year. You need to do an overhaul, and you need to pull what the Yankees and the Cubs did and do it quickly, and then let's talk 2020. No, I agree with you. You know, you have to, at this point of the season, kind of take stock and be real with yourself about where you are and then look to the division and where are you in your cycle and where are these other teams and kind of find your sweet spot of when you want to contend. And for the Mets, it may be further down the road. Hey, Jake, let me ask you this in terms of fantasy, though, okay? And this this is – I I threw this out to Scott, and he kind of – you know, he struggled with it, to be honest. If you, you say you think it is the right move for the Mets to maybe move one or both of these pieces to replenish and kind of acknowledge and accept the rebuild. Let's say, Jake, you own Jacob deGrom or Noah Syndergaard in an NL-only fantasy baseball league, right? Are you yep. getting ahead of this and maybe looking for places to trade deGrom uh, for like, I don't know, 85 cents on the dollar? For example, would you entertain a DeGrom for like a Miles Mikolas or a Corbin or someone like that or a Sean Newcomb or Mike Fultonevich, someone who has like been strong in the NL and you have a lot more faith will be in the NL player universe for the entire season? Or is that crazy because you don't want to have this speculation about a trade and keep your ace who's you know pitching to like a 1.1 ERA? Uh, would you ever try to get ahead of this and maybe trade even acknowledging it may have to be 80 or 90 cents on the dollar? Not for that cheap, no. I would definitely try to get ahead of it, but I want, I want proper value for DeGrom. I, I'm not selling him for that cheap. Even If it's 95 cents, that's fine, and maybe I'm getting somebody who's disappointed a little bit so far. So, Like a Goldschmidt? You're going to give me Goldschmidt and a pitcher? Like a Goldschmidt okay. and... Even, honestly, right now, DeGrom should get you a Goldschmidt and a Michaelis together. I mean, that's how good he's been. Look at his ERA. You just mentioned it. So yeah, I hear if you. He gave me some, if he gave me something like that, I would absolutely move him. What did you do him straight up for Aaron Nola? No, I want a little bit more. Aaron Nola still has some inconsistencies. Fair enough. I'm just trying to find out, like, you know, theoretically speaking, though, it is something you would consider uh, if it was the right package and you would acknowledge that you would do a little bit less. I'm not going to sell it that much of a discount, though. Okay, fair enough. But uh, something people need to consider thinking about as these trading deadlines approaches, especially if you are in AL or NL-only leagues, um, you know, you don't want a player like you're, you know, if you were in an NL-only league, this is like a second-round pick for you. And... uh, 
you know, he could evaporate from your player universe. So you may want to get ahead of that. Hey, Jake, as we're still waiting for our guy, Gabe Morency, we're hoping to be able to talk to him about the Belmont Stakes. I know you texted me yesterday. I, you know, I had to watch a little bit of the Stanley Cup <laughs> last night. You know, a champion was crowned. Props to Alex Ovechkin winning the Conn Smythe, finally getting the Capitals to the uh, Stanley Cup. Jake, two things. I don't know, you know, you were texting. I don't know if you saw the whole game or anything like that. But one, the opening was absolutely ridiculous, you know, like uh, Vegas, baby. That's all I got to say about that. And then, Jake, I don't know if you saw at the very end of the game, there was like an empty net, and then there was a clock malfunction with like under a minute left. They didn't show the clock. I'm literally watching it at home with my lady, and I'm like, you know, they go then with a, a whistle to like check the clock. I was like, yo. What if they decide, like, oh, snap, there's no time left? Wouldn't that be a weird way to win the Stanley Cup? What are your thoughts here? First of all, congratulations to the Caps. What do you think about that opening and also, like, the weird clock malfunction at the end, Jake? Yeah, so the, the clock thing was definitely – I was the same It thing, was like, weird. How, how much time is left? Exactly. I was like, like is like, it going to be three seconds left? Is the game already over? Yeah, that's, no, I, that's, I, that's what I was play. wondering. It's like the game is – like, is the game over? That's what And I a little home thinking. clock operating also, right? I think that was definitely a little homish. So that, that was just weird. Uh, look, I, I'm I'm frustrated because I was I was rooting for the Vegas just for the storyline, you know, just mm-hmm. for the fact that you know expansion team wins the Stanley Cup. That just would have been awesome. That just been fun. And plus, I really don't like Ovechkin because Ovechkin's kind of a dick. I mean, let's be real, he is. So the fact is, you look at this, and for that aspect, that's what it is. So on the flip side, the beginning, the intro. Look, I know a lot of people out there are like this is. Crazy! This is it was crazy, Jake. It was crazy. <laughs> no, it was fun. Like, it could be crazy it, and fun. <laughs> they could be well, both. They're not mutually exclusive. Like, and that's what I was gonna say. It's like, let's be honest. Like, you know, was it a little over the top? Yeah. Was it a little corny theater? Look at like the stuff that you would go down, like Broadway, off Broadway, and like some well, side Vegas, corner, right? Like, Cirque du Soleil on the Strip or something like that. No, but I'm saying it's worse than that. That's what I'm saying. It's like so. You know, the fact is, yeah, it was a little cheesy and funny and stuff like that. But at the same time. They're having fun. I want to see more teams do this. Like if the Buccaneers in football did this with Pirates at the beginning of the games, I'd, right. I'd, I'd like that. Like they come and pile it out of the ship. Like, Think you know, about the Minnesota Viking potential here. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> I, I, kudos to the, for the Vegas Knights having some fun and entertaining the fans and getting them riled up. And you know what? If you watched it, they even told the story. They admittedly showed that the guy they were beat up down three to one. The guy was getting, and then the guy, the people rallied behind him. So it didn't work out for them, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, fair enough. Listen, Jake, you don't enjoy the weekend, starting the weekend. You're lukewarm on that, but you like the Vegas Knights opening show. It's interesting. We get a little bit of an insight into Jake's mind. You know, do you also watch like the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, Jake? No, I could not care less about that. (laughs) Okay, you know, I mean, it's a similar kind of theater, shall we say. But, Jake, championship season is upon us, okay? The, The Stanley Cup was given out last night. Justify will go for the Triple Crown tomorrow, and the Larry O'Brien Trophy could be given out tonight, Jake, okay? The Golden State Warriors, it looks like, I mean, they certainly have crushed the souls of the Cleveland Cavaliers in my opinion. Here's the only way it's not given to them is if Golden State wants to go home and win it. And win it at home. That's the they're a four-and-a-half-point four favorite tonight, Jake, on the road in Cleveland. I mean, I agree with you. I think they had their chance I, you in know game what? one. I'm going to tell they you right now. They had their chance in game three. Go ahead. 
I, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say I would take that because I'm going to bet that they lose on purpose. I think they're that cocky. They really? They know how good they are. And I think they want to come home and win it. Like, I know there's, you know, there's only so much certain place. But I think this team is filled with so many cocky over-the-top players that they're going to bring it home and win it. Interesting. You think they could, uh, like, proverbially turn the switch off and turn it back on at home just to celebrate in front of their home crowd. And that said, you would take Cleveland plus the four and a half points today on mybookie.ag. I, I still I don't know if I would do that because this same time. Can't flip flop. Come on, no, no, no. get them out. No, because what no, because I said that the beginning. If you ask Corey at the very beginning of the series, I said I'm not touching the series. Any game right. could go anyway. And you know, if, if LeBron has given up and he's already checked out, which I wouldn't blame him for. I, I mean, I, you're not going to be able to stop it. Hey, Jake, we only got a couple minutes left here. We got to do a little Roto Clio. I wanted to get to oh, the yeah, odds true. for next year, uh, but we could talk about that next week when, you know, yeah, we'll probably be in the NBA offseason. Right, yeah. we'll be in the NBA offseason by Monday anyway, right? Um, so where are you going today, Jake? We don't have much time. Where are you going today, Roto Clio? Uh, I, I was trying not to take the you know, sales and all that type of stuff right. for the world. So uh, oh, you, you got yours? my guy? Yeah, I do. I can no. give you mine, but you. Yeah, you uh, I'm going Trevor Bauer today. I'm going Trevor Bauer okay. at Detroit. I agree with you. I'm not taking the big boys, right? I'm not taking the sales that are out there. So I went down a little bit. I do <laughs> love what Scott said, though, about Masahiro Tanaka against the putrid Mets offense as well. That's interesting. And then hitting Jake, I'm going to go Matt Carpenter. I'm going to go Matt Carpenter against Matt Harvey and the Reds tonight, but I'm only taking him to get a hit because i got to inch the ball up the hill, okay? So I'm going to go Bauer, and I'm going to go Matt Carpenter to Today, Jake, uh, bring us on home. End of the show. What do you think? I will go with Strasburg against the Giants at home for the win. That seems to make a lot of sense. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.